0: I'll save it for the podcast. All right, here we go. One, two, three. Welcome to Comedians Talking Baseball, our weekly MLB recap podcast with myself, comedian Joe Kilgown, joined alongside comedian Mike Bridenstine. We get into the stats. We uh, nerd out on some history. We just have a good time with you. Bridal, how you doing, my man?
1: Good. It's sunny. What's it like in Chicago?
0: Actually, it's perfect in Chicago right now. It's about 75 and partly cloudy, which is my ideal day.
1: You know what I miss about the Midwest weather? I miss what I call homecoming weather. Sun's hot, air's cold.
0: Yes, that is the best weather. You know, I'm not the biggest college football fan because I just never had, like, a team. I guess I'm from a big-time family. Like, my brother goes to Illinois right now, and, you know, my mom's a big Iowa fan, and I have got a lot of cousins who went to Iowa and Illinois as well, and Northwestern's mixed in there. But I, uh, I've never been the biggest college football fan. Oh, Notre Dame, too. I guess I'm Notre Dame, love. But I do like that college football smell. There's a smell to college football like on that Saturday afternoon where there's some grilling going on, but there is a cool little chill. You know, you could wear, you could wear like shorts and a, like a hoodie. Yeah. I kind of like that feel.
1: You and I are opposites in our football. I, of course, went to Iowa. Huge college football fan. I don't – I mean, I'm, I have a show tonight. I might not even watch the Rams.
0: Well, I get that. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'm a huge NFL guy. You're a huge NCAA guy. But what's nice about that, Brido, is both are just such fine institutions of how (laughs) society should be (laughs) run.
1: You know, I think everybody should be forced to stand and sing the song about how free we are.
0: Yes, and I think you should be forced to work for free, essentially, as a college athlete.
1: you're mad about those Nikes, kneel in front of them. That's how you show disrespect.
0: Yeah, take the Nikes off. Put them in front of you. Almost do like a roll out one of those things that Muslims pray on. I Forget what they're called. And uh, that way you get that way you just enrage all the Billy Bob's out there. Yeah, is he I mean, praying? i a pair of Nikes. Go ahead. Nah, I'm done. I was just saying, is he praying to a pair of Nikes in a Southern accent, which is so rude. I was just in Roanoke, Virginia, and met some awesome people. And it's weird because in Roanoke, Virginia. I would, geographically, you're thinking, oh, they're probably not that Southern, but so many of the people I met had super Southern accents.
1: Virginia was basically where most of the first presidents were from. Yes. It it was considered the South. So Virginia is where Jefferson and Washington and, you know, that's the South, my friend. Not the deep South, but the South.
0: Yeah, it's definitely not the deep south. Uh, you know, the last few elections proved that. But it's strange because I look at the map and I'm thinking, oh, well, you know, it's not really that south, but they, you know, tobacco farming and all that kind of stuff. It is weird. Lincoln would look outside the White House. Like you could put there's part of Washington, D.C. that looks in Alexandria, Virginia. Absolutely. Yeah. And I read it, I read this thing where it's weird because it was like you could see he could see the Confederate flag like just a couple miles off in the distance there.
1: Well, one weird thing, my sister lives in D.C. from time to time. During the
0: Civil War. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead.
1: One of the weird things is that Arlington, Virginia, like the Arlington Cemetery where all that, like the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, changing the guard, Kennedy's Eternal Flame, right standing there is a huge mansion that was Robert E. Lee's house that they just stole from him. It's right across the fucking river. Arlington, Virginia, Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, Robert E. Lee's House.
0: Yeah, that's incredible.
1: They made a – I mean, I don't want to get into it because this is a baseball podcast, but, you know. It's history,
0: a little interesting history there.
1: History's right up my alley, and, yeah, they made – You should
0: start a history podcast.
1: <laughs> they got a they, – they exchanged a southern capital for a, for a federal bank or something, Alexander yeah. Hamilton
0: – Thomas Jefferson, let's do this. <laughs> All right, we're gonna stick to baseball the best that we can on this one because I'm still angry over a football game last night between the Bears and Packers. Talk about a Jekyll and Hyde of a game. The Bears came out looking amazing, one of the best defensive performances I've seen in a half ever. And then uh, second half just totally went back to the Bears I've known the last five or six years. Oh, man, it was it was real uh I wanted to, I wanted to like say it was a bipolar game, but I don't want to be like offensive to people with bipolar. Um, because that was, I think, by having bipolar would have been better than experiencing that game again. I don't know what the hell I'm saying with this. But let's talk about baseball. As Cubs fans, this was a very lackluster weekend for us because of the two rainouts. Well, there was, yeah. one was made up in a doubleheader, which the Cubs lost both games to the doubleheader, so that was brutal. And then they get canceled yesterday. Well, first, let's take it back to Thursday, where they played like an inning and a half, and then it was canceled, which most people were like, why was that game even start? Why did they even start that game? Everyone reads the same Doppler radar. You don't have to be Tom Skilling to know what's that's a Chicago reference. Everyone local weatherman. Uh, you don't have to be some meteorologist to know. Oh, it's going to start pouring and not stop for a very long time. I don't. I don't get why they did this because it cost the Cubs a Lester start. And then the first game of the doubleheader, we're like, all right, well, they're pitching Scherzer. We might as well just throw some, you know, AAA guy who, uh, what's his name, Freddie Garcia, but not the old Freddie Garcia or Jaime Garcia. <laughs> And he got lit up. He looked terrible. I think he lasted like six batters. First six batters, he well, he struck out one, walked three, gave up a double, and then hit a guy, I think. It was it was a bad stretch. So that was a complete bullpen game. The late game, Cole Hamills pitched pretty good. Not as sharp as he had been before, but he still uh, I think went into the sixth inning, giving them two earned, I wanna say. Maybe I don't know the box went from, maybe three. But he left with a five to two lead. So or five to three lead. And then they just made some mistakes much like the Bears, sometimes there is a thing as getting... Do you notice this about Joe Madden? And is this a new trend? I know your fingers are a little bit more on the pulse of a shift in thought process with some of these managers. I try to keep up as much as I can, too. Are they no longer walking people when a base is open? I'm seeing less and less of that, and i have definitely seen less and less of that of the Cubs. I can't remember a time this year where, say it was second and third with one out, unless the game is 100% on the line, like extra innings. But say it's the eighth inning, They don't. I'm thinking, why don't you walk Bryce Harper in this situation? You have first base open. They don't. He hits a home run. We lose by a run. I think
1: that when a walk is as valued as a hit. uh, I think that they might view the walk differently than they used to.
0: But, but that's stupid because it's situational, right? I mean, I would say if a guy's at second base, go ahead. No, I
1: would say so. If, if, if a guy's at second base and he's going to score from there, I mean, unless I don't remember who was on second, unless you think that guy is slow. Then I think that you play the the situations he must have had his reasons. I just I just think that the Cubs uh, need and and for the listeners who are like, why are you talking about the Cubs? It's just like, what do you what do you want to talk about? The the amazing divisional races in the American League?
0: Yeah, the A's have slowed down. It looks like Houston's going to pull away. I mean, there's still there's still time left. Don't get me wrong, but I would definitely we were God. We had such a boner for it too, the idea of Oakland because they, they were within a, they were tied at one point. You know, my dog freaking out I mean, still, Oakland and Houston were tied. Like now it's up. two and a half games, so that's not bad. But Oakland's just playing. They're both seven. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm I'm, I'm speaking out of context here. They they both won seven of their last ten. I didn't realize Houston lost last night to Boston, but uh, Houston had a nice little streak there going on. I think they won like six or seven in a row playing hot baseball, but you're right. Uh, it definitely feels like Houston is back to playing like Houston. Both of them, damn, they're having great seasons. They're both playing over 600 ball. I'm holding out hope that Oakland can catch them and we can get that Houston-New York I know, wild card game.
1: I know I want that so bad, but here's the thing. If you're a baseball fan and let's say that that game is amazing – Like, let's say it's Game 5 of the World Series, Game 7 of the 2016 World Series. Let's say it's amazing. Game 2 of the World Series this past year. Wouldn't you think to yourself, you know, I really wanted that game, but, God, I want 7.
0: That's true. You might think that. I just like it because of the implications. Or I guess 5. Sorry, everybody. 5 of that first round, sure. But uh, I just like it because the implications it has. It's one of those things where baseball might even reflect on, hey is this one and done thing a good idea for those two wild card spots? Should we come up with the two out of three? Should we um, expand it so that I don't know Like there should just, it, should, it would just be interesting as all. Well- because the Yankees obviously are big money. They are uh, their ratings gold mine. Houston has become up it was getting right up there too. Oakland every few years seems to be this little engine that could that just doesn't. <laughs> and the idea of having New York and Houston, especially since Houston, we all know Houston was so cocky going into this year. Like with the Astros, all this going against that powerhouse Yankee lineup in a one and done. Oh, how would I, how would you not make, you would go out, right? When you try to go out and watch it at a bar or at least have people over? You would try to make it. Oh, I would
1: definitely it. watch that game. Yeah.
0: Well, of course you'd watch it, but I, I'm not just saying you would watch it. I'm saying you would make it an event. You're saying, "Hey, we're a little bit a good harder."
1: I'm just saying, in Chicago, yeah, you go to your neighborhood bar. It's a little bit harder here.
0: That's true. Well, maybe you'd have the boys over. Maybe you have uh, uh, Burns and uh, McGowan yeah. over, and you guys could, uh, you know, throw stuff at the TV and have a good time that way. <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely. All right, yeah. Boston was—it's uh, so funny because I remember listening to some Boston fan when I was hanging out with a, a show over the last week or two, going. You know, they've been playing 500 ball lately. And I'm like, well, they've so won 98 still, games. I know they won 98 games. They've won six of the last 10 now because they won yesterday. So they were 500 before yesterday, five, of, five of the last 10, another six and four. They're 49 and 20 at home, 49 and 26 on the road, 681 ball. I think you almost kind of want them to, you want them to, I like the idea of a team that is running away with it uh, to have a little bit of a scare in September. You know, to have a stretch where it's like, wow, we've lost, um, you know, six of our last 10 or seven of our last 10. This, I mean, we're still eight games up. But Oh, man, I hope uh, I hope we write this shit before October starts. Yeah, because if you're we've seen it before where teams clinch with three weeks to go and then you're worried, OK, well, now they're going to be bored and then come playoff time. They're not going to be quite as amped up because they've been playing meaningless baseball for three weeks. Yeah. <laughs>
1: And like the teams who are like fired up are the teams who want to play spoiler just for like some like small victory, you know?
0: Yeah, I'm not I'm I feel because the Cubs have a big series against the Brewers, it starts tonight. The Cubs lead is down to two games or two and a half. Let me see here. It is a two-game lead. We have them we have three games on them in the loss column though, so that's nice. And uh and so I, the Cubs need to take two out of three from this series. I mean, I, they don't need to, but they, they, you know, one out of three is not good because then it's a one game lead, but it's two out of three. That's what you want to see. That should be the goal. A sweep would be a boner. The thing is though, I see that series. I feel more confident with the Cubs bringing their best to Milwaukee these next three days than I do when we play Cincinnati uh, next weekend, I think uh, because, Cincinnati's got a lot of dudes who are just playing for individual stats right now. You know, they don't really – they've been eliminated. They don't have any kind of team-oriented thing in mind. These are uh, Those teams in September, like you were saying, who are playing spoiler, especially a team with some offensive uh, firepower like Cincy has, you're going to see Suarez going up there swinging for the fence every at-bat because what else does he have to lose at this point? He's just trying to round out some numbers.
1: Yeah, I think that – I think we're going to see another scenario – like twenty fifteen where the three best teams are from the NL Central.
0: I could see that right now, uh, it looks that way records wise because Atlanta and the Cardinals have the same exact record and the Cardinals are a third place team. Right. That'd be amazing though. I would I would do that would be a, oh my God, I want to see that too. I'm actually rooting for it now. I want to see Milwaukee versus St. Louis in a one game. That'd be card.
1: the shit. And you I mean, because if they're playing you, you know, you're gonna watch that. It's gonna, that's going to be the shit.
0: Yeah, because then they get their best starters, hopefully depending on how the calendar works, their best starter will be getting knocked out of the way and wouldn't be available until game three for our series. Although,
1: what if it is Cardinals-Dodgers, let's say, uh, two teams that you hate? <laughs> yeah. yeah. One of the fun things about ESPN when they do the their standings is they give their, like, Their playoff like percentages. The Rockies are in first place by a half a game and they're 49% to make the postseason. The Dodgers are a half game out and they're 83% to make the postseason.
0: How is that? What are they going off strength of schedule going forward?
1: I don't, I would love to know like how they figure that the Rockies being a half game up on the Dodgers are twice as likely to not make the playoffs.
0: That is weird. I know. I would like to know the science behind that. I'd have to look at their records or the records of the teams they're facing coming they forward They have on that. a
1: negative run differential. I don't know, like, the 20 – or the 2006 Cardinals had, like, a five sixteen percentage and, like – i barely in the positive on run differential. I don't know if a negative run differential team has ever gone to the postseason. I would love to know, but that's insanity. I know that it's Denver and the altitude is high and like that changes fucking everything. But like the Phillies are a negative run differential team. Also.
0: I feel like didn't the Rangers a couple years ago, or maybe they were like a plus one or two. And I'm trying to think like
1: what? 2015.
0: Good... Yeah, I remember the 2015 Rangers. They I were plus to Let 18. 20... Let's see.
1: I'm
0: 2015
1: 10. Rangers were plus 18, which is like nothing. Yeah, that's uh,
0: pretty 2016 low.
1: they were plus eight. So yeah, they. I mean, they didn't do much. They went to the NL or the AL I think, both years or whatever.
0: But yeah. Let's see here. The uh, Diamondbacks in 2007, who swept our Cubs, were a minus 22. Were they really? Yes. Dang. Can you believe that they lost in the NLCS? Yeah, that they. <laughs> yeah, that was, <laughs> they were 90 and 72 that being year. Being done there, in
1: that series, <clears throat> I think I looked this up recently. Giovanni Soto hit a home run do I think either go up one to nothing or tie the game. And that's the only tie or lead the Cubs ever had in that whole fucking series. That was uh, unfun.
0: I remember Soriano hitting a super long single. He hit one off the wall. He thought it was a home run, so he started to pimp in, and he never got to second. <laughs> so it was just a long single. That should have been a double for anyone else. But God, you, know, I have- you, have to wa- you have to watch your ball hit off the wall. I had a- uh, I've, got to- I've got a list here. Go ahead. Uh, so, 2007 Diamondbacks, 97 Giants, or minus nine. 1972 record there. They lost in the NLDS just before Barry Bonds' a superhuman era, it says here. But he still anchored a potent offense at this point, allowing the third most runs in the NL was the team's issue. Having Sean Estes as your ace isn't doing yourself any favors. Oh. <laughs> Remember him? Cubs had him. He was brutal. How, holy shit. How is this a thing? The 1987 Minnesota Twins. Yes. 85 wins, 77 losses. They were a minus 20, and they won the World Series that year. An 85-win team.
1: Uh, so, 87, the Tigers won the East, and the Twins won the West. That division must have been terrible. Must have been. And then they played... The Cardinals in the World Series, the Cardinals were a light hitting, they had Jack Clark.
0: But the Cardinals had a 105, they were plus 105.
1: They were a base stealing Ozzy Smith, Vince Coleman team. I don't know if they had Pedro Guerrero, I don't think so, but Jack Clark.
0: offense Offense wasn't very good in the late 80s overall. You know right what I mean? Five home um, runs,
1: you were a star.
0: Yeah, it was, yeah, 25 home runs was a big deal. And it wasn't like a high on base percentage era. Nobody really paid attention. I mean, obviously there were guys who were high on base percentage guys. You had your, you know, your Ricky Henderson and and well, eighty seven Bonds would have been one of the season. Don't tell him he didn't get on base. Yeah, Boggs. I mean, Don league. Yeah, there were there were players, but as a whole, it wasn't right.
1: It was, a, it, was kind of like, it was a steal a base type of league.
0: It was that era of pushing those five tool outfielders too. You know, you had your your DOS. you know, guys who stole bases, hit for power, could run real well, play good defense. You know, we've talked about guys that have gone under the radar, like an Eric Davis and a Daryl Strawberry. They came out of that 80s era. And um, probably a few other guys. We were uh, –
1: when me and Mike Burns and Mike Holmes got big into collecting uh, baseball cards again a few years ago, like PSA-graded cards, we would go after, like, Eric Davis and, like, Strawberry and Vince Coleman – and like somebody's like, wait, are they in the Hall of Fame? And you are be like, no, but that's like sexy 80s.
0: In sexy 80s, I like we that. Call that we called
1: those players like a Canseco. That's a sexy 80s. Dwight Gooden, sexy 80s.
0: One of my all-time favorites, Kevin Mitchell. Oh, yeah, Kevin Mitchell,
1: 89 MVP, 47 homers. He had like 30-something at the All-Star break. I was real hyped up as a kid. Dynamic duo with Will Clark destroyed my yep. favorite baseball team of all time before 2016
0: the 89 cubs. yeah the 89 cubs yeah kevin mitchell looked like a guy where you're like um i think he ate himself out of the league <laughs> he just got too big you can't be that i mean it's all it's always kind of fun to have a like, guy oh, it's kind of a fat first base and kind of a fat left fielder but you can't keep that up and you're seeing less of that i feel like growing up watching baseball in the you know i was born in 84 so very late 80s I, I kind of remember i remember 89 and through the 90s there was always like some chubby mo vaughn type first baseman yeah you know uh but it wasn't and then you had cecil field and then his son prince of course he was 2000s era but the the number I, there are less and less of those players every year of a fat i think a fat baseball player that oh, plays sandoval. A position. sandoval yeah but he's his what is he got a couple more years left? I think once he retires, and I'm sure there's one or two other people. Schwarber lost the weight, yeah, so he's just kind of a little what about husky, that Vogel, you know? so
1: Vogel song guy that we traded to the Mariners.
0: Oh, Vogel yeah. Is he even playing? He might. I don't know. I don't. I didn't even heard his name at all. That was a great trade, by the way. <laughs> Mike Montgomery for Dan Vogel back or whatever his name is. uh the '84 Royals minus thirteen. And, um... The 84 Royals had no chance in fuck. To beat the Tigers? No, that Tigers team was, uh... They swapped them, didn't they? I I mean, the
1: Tigers... That Tigers team was insane. Even if the Cubs... Even if Leon Durham grounds... I field that ground ball. I don't know what the Cubs are doing against
0: Detroit in 84. Yeah. You would have liked to have been there, though. Right. (laughs) What was the story? For, For baseball fans out there, this isn't just, uh... A Cubs holy shit moment. This is something to think about. The Cubs in '84 didn't they get screwed out of a another home game because we didn't have lights at the time? Well, or was that not true? Pra, well,
1: I'm, they hated the fact that the Cubs didn't have lights for uh, TV purposes because the Cubs had to play day games. But also that year was that was a best of five in the NLCS.
0: Yeah, because the only two teams made the playoffs. There's only two divisions back then, everyone, in East and a West. The Cubs were in the East. I actually have – I'm staring at it right now because I'm recording from my basement on my shelf. I have a button that says Chicago Cubs, 1984 NL Eastern Division Champions.
1: There's a – yeah, and the Cubs were so sure. The Cubs went up two games to none. They won the first game like 13 to nothing at Wrigley. Like Rick Sutcliffe hit went on to Sheffield. It was, like, insanity. They let off the game with, like, Bob Dernier, hit a home run in the bottom on the first. That game you can watch in its entirety on YouTube. And I've, like, kind of looked at 84 highlights before because that was the team I heard about the most when I was growing up. I was a little too young uh, for the 84 Cubs. But that you can still get stuff that exists that is, like, Cubs World Series
0: 84 stuff. Yeah, because they started to print it because they were up two games to none. They needed one more victory. Yeah. And people and people forget the reason that 84 team is so. I think it was like every generation has that of Cub fan has that, oh my God, that team. You know, like for me and you, it's the 03 yeah. team that we thought was going to go. For people like a decade or two older than us, I wouldn't say our parents because our parents at 69, the 84 Cubs was that team. And the 84 Cubs team affected a lot of older Cubs fans too, of course, because. The Cubs hadn't gone to the playoffs. That was the first time they were in a playoffs since 1945. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no po- No October baseball from 45 to 84. Yeah. I, there was, let, let that seem
1: Yeah, to. they went in 84, 89. They kind of – I mean, 98. It's crazy.
0: So, I was talking about this. Sorry, we're going to go Cubs heavy here. But I was uh, at the bar with some buddies. And Danny Callis last night mentioned how the Bears have retired – 13 or 14 Jersey numbers and they can't retire anymore. Like they're done retiring numbers because it's football and there's only so many numbers they could go around. So they'll never retire another player number. And, uh, and then we were talking about like, Oh, that's going to be weird because you're going to see someone wear Brian Urlacher's Jersey again. What anyway, though, he said, Oh, and he said, it's weird that he sees Chris Bryant wearing number 17. Cause he thinks of Mark grace. And I thought, you know, grace had a nice career, but he, I don't think he was worthy of having his number retired. And I go, I mean, Carrie Wood's probably just as close. And I have to see John Lester wear Kerry Wood's number. And then some guy who, you know, we weren't talking to, but it had to, you know, had a, you're at a bar, a neighborhood bar, especially like not really, not my neighbor, but just some bar, you know, a local dive bar. And someone wanders into the conversation. He was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Do you think Kerry Wood had a better Cubs career than Mark Grace? And I go, no, I'm not really saying that, but I'm saying as far as impact goes in Jersey retirement, they're pretty close. And then we went into it, and I I think I'm going to even have a case because of Cubs career-wise. Kerry Wood was a part of four playoff teams, rookie of the year, two-time All-Star, set a couple records, led the league in strikeouts, led the league in, like, fewest hits per nine, led the league in Ks per nine. Mark Grace, three-time All-Star, so only one more All-Star appearance. uh, Four gold gloves, which is great. And, uh, I mean, I know led the hits in 90s, led the whole decade of the 90s for hits and doubles. But never actually led the league in any offensive statistic except one, and that was ground balls into do a double play. <laughs> and, uh, and don't get me wrong, Grace, Grace was a really awesome player. His, his solid overall numbers, but not really for a first baseman because the power numbers were never really there. If he was a guy that played second base, you're talking about maybe a borderline Hall of Famer. Well,
1: too bad a real Hall of Famer played second.
0: Exactly. Ryan Sandberg, there you go. So uh, hey, do you- I don't know. Carrie Wood versus Mark Grace. It's an interesting debate over who had more of an impact as a Cub.
1: Kerry Wood had moments, and I think that Grace is missing moments. Like, I think that Kerry Wood, I know that you just met him and had a great time. He did pitch the greatest game of all time. I'm, not, I'm never going to take that away from him. I think that he was severely overrated in 98. He was severely – he was done by 03. That was Mark Pryor's ro- rotation.
0: Well, I mean, you can't say he was done by 03 when he had a 6.3 war for the 03 season. How is he done? He led league in 03. Fine. <laughs> you might have been off by a year or two. 04, he got hurt, and then 05, 06 was out for most of the season. 07, came back as a reliever, was very, very good. 08, was the closer, saved 35 games, and was an all star. Uh, but I hear you. I, I, I get the saying overrated. From a Cubs, because Cubs fans do treat Kerry Wood like he was a multi-site young. They him,
1: yeah, have you ever heard a Cubs fan talk about Rick Russell I've never no. in my life heard that. I hear them talk about Sutcliffe, suck, suck my dick. Like they retired Mark, or sorry, Greg Maddox's number. And I'm like, why? Because it's the same as Fergie Jenkins, maybe? Like that's, but
0: there's so. That was weird because look, Maddox's Cubs career. Nice, but he was a brave. He's a brave, you know? That
1: dude, does anybody think of the Cubs when they think of Greg Maddox?
0: No. I mean, he won Cy Young
1: with the Cubs. But that dude is, like, Mr. Brave, uh, pitching-wise, you know?
0: Yeah, when you think Maddox, you think him, Blavin, you think those devastating Braves rotations of the 90s.
1: Maddox is such a brave that Smoltz got into the Hall of Fame by association.
0: As a Cub, Greg Maddox... I know we're not the biggest win-loss guys here, but I'm just going to read the whole stat line. Greg Maddox was 133 and 112, 3.61 earned run average, uh, over 2,000 innings. Let's see here. I mean, the ERA plus was 112 as a Cub, so only 12% above lead average. Oh, right. He, came, 5, up, he came
1: up in 86, 87 in a mustache. He wasn't Greg Maddox yet.
0: No, he pitched from – he came up – his first full season was 1988 when he was 22. He was not all-star in 88. But he came up in 86. You're right. He only made – pitched in six games that year. Five of them were starts. The next year actually was his first full season. I'm sorry, I misread. It was 87 at the age of 21. He uh, started 27 games. So
1: when they retire 17 for Bryant, do you throw Gracie in
0: there? No, I'm sorry you don't. I know there's a lot of diehard Gracements. Now, I get it. Like, for other fan bases listening, for – I mean, White Sox fans, I feel like, have this a little bit too because they're right up there with the Cubs for historically being bad franchises throughout their history. Uh, our our Cardinal fan friends who listen, our, our Tiger fan friends who listen, and uh, other fan bases, you guys have to understand what it was like being a Cubs fan through – all before 2016, before, you know, before this new Theo Epstein era is that you didn't have championship teams. So you clanked, you would cling, I should say, to players who I feel like gave you hope. When I think Kerry Wood, I think of that, what might have been guy, you know what I mean? And obviously he's a great dude. And um, if you are listening, Kerry, all the respect in the world, my friend, I would, I would trade both my arms to have a career like yours. And, you know, and and look, the thing is, I think we're harsher on Kerry Wood because the expectations were so high for him because he he pitched the greatest game in Major League Baseball history as a as a twenty year old in his fifth Major League start, his fifth start. There's nothing. So the, there's nothing in the world more
1: impressive than that. So I, that nothing. And they fly a flag that says Wood on it at Wrigley
0: Field. Yep, as well KW twenty. Um, but that's that's what's insane to me is that, like he's talked about it. It was like it's a blessing and a curse in a weird way because it just set these insane expectations so high for his career where if he would have struck out 20 in maybe his fifth or sixth season and then had the career he had, it would have been like, oh, yeah, the guy had a good, solid career. Yeah, yeah, Kerry, you know, pretty good career. was an all-star a couple of times, part of some decent playoff teams. Yeah, he's a guy that could go in any bar in Chicago, have himself a beer, not get mobbed, though, and all this stuff. But because of the way he came in and how electric he was and the stuff, the stuff, man. I mean, you have a guy like Damian Miller who caught Randy Johnson, Kurt Schilling, the Oakland A's big trio of Hudson, Mulder, and Zito, Mark Pryor, Zambrano, and Kerry Wood. And when they asked him who had the best stuff of anyone you ever caught, the reporter didn't even finish the sentence before he said Kerry Wood. He goes, Kerry Wood the best stuff I ever caught. <laughs> and they go, really? But, they go, really? Better than Randy, Kurt, Kerry Wood? He just, yeah. He goes, look at the tape. Yeah, my, but, the ba- my was, buddy
1: who hit 600 in high school played at you and I got drafted for the Cubs and batted against him in spring training and said it was a joke. He said he was it was like he was completely unhittable. And that's not a shitty hitter saying that.
0: No, Sean Casey from the Reds, he was part of that night with Dempster I talked about on the previous podcast, everybody, where he was the guest after Kerry Wood and he said, uh, I faced Kerry Wood in the minors and I was like riding high. I was killing it. And then I faced him, and everyone's like, oh, it's 18-year-old kid that because the Cubs had just got him. They're like, uh, he throws hard, this kid. And they're like, oh, cool. He goes, it was good morning, good afternoon, good night. He threw two fastballs that I couldn't touch even. I, I think I could have started swinging the day before, and I wouldn't have hit him. And then uh, dropped off that sick 12-6 curveball, and I was, like, walking away thinking, if that's how major leaguers throw, I'm never making it to the show. Like, he, yeah. like, he made great hitters feel like they didn't belong in the league. That's a good know, stuff Kerry was. But because of that, injuries were going to take its toll. You know what I mean?
1: Carrywood Wood has also done a lot with charitable organizations in and around Chicago.
0: If, he still lives in Chicago.
1: If they want to retire Kerry Wood's number, I have zero problem with that. Also, if they want to retire uh, Grace's number through some sort of bizarre – deal with chris bryant i guess the whole bryant thing throws it off if they retire chris bryant's number after a wonderful career with the cubs and throw grace on top of it i have no problem with that if ian Happ says i'll give up my fucking number and they retire andre dawson greatest day of my life
0: yeah <laughs> uh i'll see yeah I, i'll say this uh to summarize the whole thing it would be interesting with carrie wood because you're like he's done charitable stuff he He's a Chicagoan. He was talking about it when we, when we when we met and everything, where, you know, I grew up in Texas till I was 18, but then I was drafted by the Cubs organization, spent more of my – I mean, the off seasons I go back to Texas, and then I got a place in Arizona later on. But, you know, I've been a full-time Chicago resident since I came back after being with the Yankees and Indians. And, yeah, that, that's a, that dude's a Chicagoan. You know what I mean? He's he's lived in Chicago longer than – you know, he's, he's 42 now, I think, or 41 years old. No, he was, what, 98, so he probably just turned 41. Came up as a 20-year-old, so he's been in Chicago for almost two decades. Okay, you know, and a, you're right. Give me a yes or
1: no. Should the Cubs retire Sosa's number? Yes. Good for you, Joe. I'm very proud of
0: you. Of course. Yeah. Even even with the whole not bringing him back because they it was sour how things went. And, and I guess there's more to it. There's a little bit of a pissing contest between him and Ricketts because I guess when the Ricketts first bought the team, So-so just said, oh, they should come talking to me. They should come to me. And the Ricketts were kind of like, well, we didn't own the team during all that shit. Why are you making it seem like we got to come begging you to come back? So I think it's like kind of like a pissing contest between two of them. But hopefully, you know, hopefully someone in Sammy's court. It'd be nice if someone in Ricketts' court, too, was just like, listen. Sammy's drinking scotch in Dubai. Yeah. It'd be nice, though, if someone could just get mediate the two of them. You know, where it's like, guys this sammy was a a big part of the cubs for a good 10 years or so there and <laughs> did some amazing things and now i feel like you guys need to like it would be great to squash this nobody wants to go to the grave with any regrets sammy you know apologize to your o4 teammates for leaving early and and then all's forgiven or whatever you know what i mean and and that be that i feel like that would be a great and then let's let's hang that 21 up high and i want to see <laughs> So it's the highlight videos in between innings on the big board when I'm, at a C- when I'm at a Cubs game. I don't
1: know if he's done any favors for himself by walking around looking like Count Chocula or whatever. He but...
0: looks like uh, Kirby from Nintendo 64. He's just this big pink glob, you know?
1: It's, that is kind of an odd thing, but hey.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Greg Maddox, by the way, uh, 20, 10, 11 seasons with the Braves, 10 with the Cubs. His win percentage was 688 with the Braves. 194 and 88, 263 ERA. Uh, what was his FIP? 2.95 ERA plus and 163. Hot damn. These are some numbers, you know? Um, so, yeah, he's definitely always Mr. Brave to me. That's also, way I
1: that uh, hidden camera prank on Chris Bryant that
0: Maddox pulls is one of the greatest
1: things I've ever seen.
0: It's very funny. I guys checked it out on YouTube. Maddox, who's kind of let himself go a little bit. He's going to get a little bit of a, a gut going. Uh, he dresses up like a cameraman and like like a boom guy doing the sound and they're doing like this commercial with Chris Bryant and then they they do a thing where the guy who was throwing him DP had to take a phone call and they're like hey we got we're burning daylight here and Maddox is like i could throw let me throw and chris is like no no like right away he's saying no cuz he's like i don't want some sound guy hitting me with a pitch which i get it on chris's part to be at first like no and then he starts throwing and then the guys and chris is like this guy's pretty good actually and then and then he swings and misses at a couple of pitches where he's like what the hell was that this guy could throw
1: Maddox ex- and then he, off his he man.
0: was able to yeah, he reveals it's Greg Maddox throwing two seamers going into your hip, you know.
1: My favorite. Is uh, he did throw
0: like a pitch that was like a screwball.
1: My favorite is when he starts going strike.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's talking trash. It's hilarious. He talks trash. <laughs> he's being a dick. Like it, it makes you uncomfortable watching that video, but definitely. It's oh my god, I love it. I love it. It's on YouTube. Just type up uh, t- type in Greg Maddox prank. Maybe I'll uh, tweet it out for the listeners here. So uh, going back to that, uh, the odds of the playoffs, the Cubs are still at a 99.9% as of today, September 9th to make the playoffs are 99.8%. Milwaukee is 95.4%. St. Louis is at 56.9%. And then if you look at uh, the, let's just go the NL as a whole, or uh, the how, NL West. How is Dave? Mar- NL West Dodgers are 83%. You're right. Colorado is 48.5%. San Diego zero, San Francisco zero, of course. But, uh, yeah, they just really, I don't know, Dodgers' past experience, I don't know what's making them, I would love for them not to be in the playoffs, just not to have to worry about, I know some people are thinking, dude, wouldn't it be cool if the Dodgers and Cubs made it for the third year in a row to the NLCS? And I'm just kind of like, no, it won't be cool, actually. It'd be cool if we won, but I just don't even want to deal with it right now. I know. Um, then... Sorry, Dodger fan friends, which I made a lot of when I was in L.A., and I do love you guys, but uh, I'm sure you could think the same thing. I wouldn't get mad if you were like you. Cubs. Second. Don't face us. you made
1: friends with a lot of Dodger fans in L.A.?
0: A few comedians. Sam Triplett is a Dodger fan. Brian Moreno is a Dodger fan. Uh, who else was one? Just a few, a couple I here or there.
1: Everyone goes to Dodger games and maybe gets a Dodger hat for when they go to Dodger games, but I don't know – that many.
0: Dodgers. Megan Gailey says she's a Dodger fan now. Okay. Which was very disappointing to see,
1: what are, what, especially
0: since did, she lived in Wrigleyville.
1: Indianapolis fan. What are you a fan of, the Cubs? Who are you talking to? No, but like, what, what would her team be? I always wondered that.
0: Oh, I missed the beginning of that. She's from Indianapolis, so if you're in Indianapolis, any Indianapolis listeners out there, what is your baseball team? I think a lot of them are probably split between uh like in Ohio, i bet there's a lot of reds fans because since he's not too far from them probably some indian fans they could probably pick i'm sure there's some cubs fans and white sox fans down there let's be honest some cubs fans down there (laughs) (laughs) that's right dylan i'm kidding um yeah shout out to all the listeners i also have to apologize i'm sorry i'm waiting apologize we did not have an episode last week Look, we missed Memorial Day. We missed Labor Day. We are not organized on three-day weekends, and I am very, very sorry about that. Um, So we're here for you now, and come playoff time, we are going to be all up in your grill. So it's going to be a fun stretch run going into October, but I want to apologize to our loyal listeners that we were not around for you last week, to Dylan and Melissa and Donkey and, and Kevin Olston, all those other good kids who tweet at us. I appreciate it. Yes. So, uh, all right, let's, let's, let's check in on the MVP race for all the kids out there. American League, I, I'm still torn between Jose Ramirez and uh, our guy. I don't know if it's our guy, but uh, Mookie Betts. I know Trout is uh, – I mean, it's got to be Betts now. Good Lord, 9.0 war. It's got to be Mookie Betts. It's got to be Betts, yeah. I just was looking at Jose Ramirez, the fact that he's played 140 games to 124 for Betts, but Betts has done more in those 124 games clearly with the nine war. I mean, he's a, he's a stud on defense. He's a, obviously a stud on offense. A great base runner. Not as good a base runner as Jose Ramirez, who might be the best base runner in the American League. Not might be, is the best base runner in the American League. Just joins the, the 30-30 club. First time 30-30 club since who? Do you know who the last two guys to be in the 30-30 club was?
1: Uh, oh, God damn it. I know this. Go ahead.
0: It is Ryan Braun from the Milwaukee Brewers in 2012, twice?
1: along with Mike Trout oh, yeah. in 2012. Okay. Bron did it twice. I want to say,
0: yes, but they, that last year was twenty twelve. They had done it. So, but either way, though, I think Boots is good. Boots. <laughs> I think bets Let me call his name was Mookie Boots. I think Mookie Bats. <laughs>
1: I'm gonna start calling on Mookie Boots.
0: Mookie Boots. As long as um, as long as he even plays average the rest of the way, I think he's your MVP lock. I didn't realize uh, it, the gap got separated that much from Jose Ramirez to you know, Bats because I swear I'd give
1: it to Trout. You really could.
0: You could, but I wouldn't look. Trout's right up there with them. An 8.6 war to a 9.0 war, you could say that's Isn't a better. The same. Hitter? I get your argument. What's Isn't that? Isn't Trout a better hitter? Well, you got their slugging percentage. Actually, no. I mean, weighted on base average, their Woba is essentially the same. You have bets at 444, Trout at 446. So that's essentially how many the same. games different. One game. Oh. Bats has played one more game, one twenty four to one twenty three. Okay. They're WRC plus. You got Trout at one ninety. You got Bats at one eighty one. Both insanely good years. Slugging percentage bets is slightly higher at six thirty three to Trout six twenty two. On base, you have Trout at four sixty five to four thirty three. These are both just astronomically high seasons. Average Bats three forty two to three sixteen. Bapip three fifty nine to three fifty six. I mean, these guys like are identical. The stat lines are very very identical base running is identical 5.7 to 5.6 the thing that really separates them is the defense from bats is at 8.4 to 1.4 for trout what's that trout is
1: an average defensive player
0: i would say i would say slightly above average i wouldn't say average he's proven to be above average but these last couple seasons i feel he's been more around average I thought his first few seasons he was a guy where you're like, oh no, this guy's a plus plus defender, and now it's I don't know if he's gotten a little bit bigger as he's aged or because of a couple. He's had a couple lingering leg injuries that have kept him out, hamstring stuff. So, but he can still move. He's smart. He's one of. He's got a great baseball IQ too. But you're right. But I still it goes back to your sin, your thing. That's is the best player on the best team. Yes, yeah. and and he's and he's backing it up by being the best player in the league. So it's not just like that, it'd be one thing if he was like. Eighth or ninth in these statistics, we're naming off, but he's one or two in all these big stats I just named off. And he's the best. I have a hard team. time
1: with uh, MVP arguments because part of me is just like, blindly go into the season and tell me your criteria for what an MVP is, and then stick to that and tell me who the guy is who has who meets that criteria. Is it the guy who's like, Okay, he needs to be in the top t- He needs to be in the top 10 in woba or weighted runs created. Like what is your criteria? Stick to that and tell me who the MVP is. Or is it like I go case by case, eyeballs. Like you can't I know that Matt Are, Carpenter- you, are you going to the bathroom right now? What? Oh no, it's
0: a motorcycle.
1: I'm on the I'm on the back of a motorcycle. Cool, so, man. Uh, <laughs> like or is it like like matt carpenter is all those things yeah but look at javi bias you know what i mean like i that i have a hard time with that because it's just like we have these stats for a reason if they do tell us who the best player is but i
0: mean we've talked a lot about bias but Baez is to me the. i mean we both are like it's, it's good for baseball because he's the sexy pick he's the most exciting player in baseball i like Baez as the mvp because I think there's stuff he's doing that is so insanely undervalued that even the baseball nerds aren't wrapping their heads around. You shared this great article. You want to summarize the article real quick for everybody that you shared oh, with us? Chris Hayes from MSNBC is a Cubs fan. Oh, I knew he, that. I knew that. I remember reading his thing about the 2016 win where he watched it in New York and all that. And he tweeted
1: at Fangraphs to do an article about how Javi Baez – is somehow better at inducing errors on the base paths than anybody else. And so they're like, Hey, a dude with one point something million Twitter followers
0: asked us this. So here's that article. I love, that's what I love about the internet. If you have a following, you can make things happen in this crazy way. It takes out the middleman before, before social media and the internet. How was a guy like Chris Hayes? If Walter Cronkite was like, I really think that Ernie Banks (laughs) has this thing he's doing where the way he stands in the on-deck circle makes hitters, pitchers afraid. Could someone research this for me? You know, I'm obviously making this up, but he couldn't get it done. Well, Cronkite, Cronkite
1: turned on Vietnam, and then uh, whoever the president was, was it Nixon, said if I've lost Cronkite, I've lost the Midwest?
0: Yeah, it might have been Nixon, yeah. Or maybe Johnson, one of those two, because those were the two Vietnam presidents, so. Well, you could say it goes back to the French Well, you could say it goes back to Eisenhower, but the war itself didn't really start till sixty-four, sixty-five, and because every now and then people like to blame Kennedy for Vietnam, but we were only sending advisors back then, and the CIA and the CIA—that's true. But there weren't any; there were no combat troops in Vietnam under Kennedy. All right. Anyway, we'll see. This is a little history for everybody. We get sometimes we get into baseball history. Sometimes we get into history, history. Maybe the the future will be her story. You know what I'm saying?
1: The big mistake was not ending French occupation of Vietnam after World War II. Thank you very much.
0: I would agree with you. Nice call there. Uh, yeah, so basically this whole – it's almost like a Javi Baez chaos theory where because of the the risk he takes and the dynamic base runner he is and how he's he's a great slider, like there's just so much he does to get in the, the pitcher and the defender's heads that I'm not kidding you. I thought this watching the whole season – that the thing he does causes people to screw up. And it goes back to one of my favorite expressions of all time. Fortune favors the bold. And Javier Baez is bold. I like that. good I, one, like, right?
1: I like everything that just happened over the past five minutes.
0: Great. and, <laughs> and <laughs> I wish I would have transitioned out of that in a cooler way. And and the, art, the article you shared that I gave a read to from the people of Fangrass basically states, wait a minute. This isn't Chris Hayes imagining things. There is some truth to this.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, Javi Baez, uh, in a year where their best, the Cubs' best player is hurt. He's back, but he was hurt.
0: But he was playing hurt, has, even, so his numbers weren't where they should be.
1: Right. Has taken – like, I'm at a Cubs game with Josh Cheney. I'm at Cubs-Dodgers, and he's just like – He's kind of explaining the Cubs to, like, a casual fan. I think it was, like, Nick Rutherford. Uh, and, uh, dude, he's like Nick. Like, and he's like, Mike, who's the best player on the Cubs? And I go, Bryant. And he goes, what? Javi Baez, hands down. And I got mad. But then I started thinking about it, and I was just like, well, shit.
0: Well, yeah, yeah. this this year, you'd, you'd have to give the it to Baez. But, I mean, like. If you're say in 2019, they decided to get rid of all the teams and start a refresh. Brado, you're a GM of a team. Who are you drafting first? Chris Bryant or Javier Baez?
1: Oh fuck, don't do this to me.
0: Damn it. I thought this would have been uh, an easy answer, Chris Bryant. Yeah. I'm taking Chris Bryant first. Look, I love Javier Baez, and I and I maybe it's a little bit of a homer in me. For sure it's a little bit of the homer in me. I think Javier Baez should be MVP. But I still think Chris Bryant is the better baseball player. It's gotten a lot closer because Javi's really stepped into it. Javi was a guy with such raw talent and skills that you were probably thinking, all right, it's going to take him a little bit w- longer to figure this all out. So he's not going to be a superstar at 23 like Chris Bryant was. It'll be 25 before he really takes off 24, 25 era. He's
1: some breakthroughs, though. Like the 2016 postseason yeah, and, the N- and the NLDS, like <laughs> – after that, like he had the number three jersey sales in Major League Baseball. I want to say, yeah, his the-
0: playoff run was fantastic. If there was an MVP for the NLDS, he would have gotten it. He was co MVP of the NLCS World Series, was a little amp, but then he had a big game seven home run. Also, had two errors. that were just like, What are you doing, bud? But uh, and then last year, last year, he was, a, he was a solid player too. He just wasn't like all star level or maybe borderline all star last year, but he wasn't uh superstar level. And to your
1: credit, before the season started, you texted out, I think Javi Baez, seven war. Did you not say that? I did. And I was like, pretty much no fucking way.
0: You did. You laughed <laughs> at me. You guys kind of all laughed at me.
1: I, said, I mean, it's one of those things where I wanted to be wrong. He's got a five war right now.
0: I don't think but he's going to get to seven. I don't think he's going to get two more wins before the season ends. But
1: but next season, if he, I could see him being a seven war next season. I also said Cole Hamels was a not the best choice, and I've and I'm happy to be wrong. He's been the best acquisition of any team all year.
0: I mean, he was pitcher of the month for August. <laughs> they traded for him just before the deadline. In his full first full month with the team, he is the NL pitcher of the month. It was it's an incredible trade that they gave up nothing for.
1: And I was against it.
0: Yeah, I know. Or, yeah, or you just, you, was, you weren't really against it so much as you were just like, this doesn't help us, is what you kind of thought.
1: Well, I I just thought that it was, let's cool our jets because he's not Cole. He hasn't been Cole Hamels in in
0: years. Yeah, it has been a good. Three, two or three seasons, I think.
1: I was like, he's better than, what's his fucking face? Who walks everybody and sucks?
0: Chatwood. You don't need to remember his name. Oh, he I tried to my memory. Um, yeah, even Hamels is up to a 1.9 war on the year, which most of that has to be with his performance for the Cubs, I feel like. Uh, all right, well, let's switch, let's switch a little bit here. This is going to break some. We'd like to talk about the rebuilding teams around baseball, and I think the White Sox rebuild has kind of been the most exciting one to follow because we have White Sox fan listeners. And, and they're the one that had been most obviously going for because they had huge assets to trade. And Chris Sale, who will win the Cy Young in the American League, most likely. And, uh, you know, they traded Adam Eaton to the Nationals. They traded uh, Jose Quintana to the Cubs, which was, you know, a big return for them. And now... Let's not forget LaRoche. LaRoche just straight up quit because his son couldn't hang out with him anymore, which is one of the more bizarre... <laughs> retirement <laughs> stories in Major League Baseball history. <laughs> hey, we don't know if you want your we don't know if we want your 10-year-old hanging around all this uh grown man dong. It's it's kind of making some people uncomfortable. Any chance he could just, you know, he, he, hey, chill over I, here we'll, in the friends uh, and family section?
1: <laughs> can my homeschooled son see your dick?
0: Oh my God, what a bizarre ass story. Hey, I don't know, can you just not have your kid in the locker room all the time he's a kid. It's not really a kid friendly place. We got this whole other area over here. You know what? Keep your thirteen million. Fuck you, bro. And yo, little Adam, let's get let's let's get over here. We're going to the arcade. Chuck E. Cheese day right now. Because, hey, uh,
1: uh, cool. If my homeschool son sees your your peen,
0: yeah. How's he gonna learn, huh? How's he gonna learn that dicks are, are evil and they should stand men, huh?
1: I want to I want to spend time with my my creepy son.
0: That is like the opposite of the Trump Barron relationship. <laughs> <laughs> but for some reason, Barron, I feel like, is more likely to kill people than Adam Laroche's son.
1: I hope that Barron Trump somehow hangs out with Adam Laroche's son.
0: You know, I'm going to take that back a little. I hope Barron turns out to be a great citizen. He can end up being like um wasn't Ronald Reagan's son, always on MSNBC, just saying like uh, stuff about <laughs> I disagree with my dad's policy. You know, he maybe yeah. could be one of those dudes, but um, I just have a feeling he's going to be like a weird dark artist where um, later we're going to find out, oh, yeah, there's some stuff going on in that dungeon, that's for sure. All right, but I <laughs> want to talk about uh, Michael Kopech, who this flamethrower stud that everyone was pumped to see. Talk about a horrible start to your career. His first two starts, rain shortened. So he pitches like two innings, two innings in the third, and then here comes the rain, and it's like, well, damn it, that sucks. Then he has a game where it was bad, and then it was revealed that he's going to have Tommy John surgery, and he's done. And Pitching this a is guy, a this a guy who's throwing a fastball as high as 105 miles an hour. He, as a like just a flamethrower, and it's like, man, how heartbroken are you as a Sox fan from this past season? Yeah,
1: I, your arm isn't supposed to do those things.
0: That's what we learned. We're talking about the Kerry Wood thing, like that, that. Those were just ungodly breaking. You're not supposed to be able to throw a league ball like it's a wiffle ball. You know, you're not supposed to drill, make a thing, just snap and break every which direction. It's just not, it's not cool. Yeah. No, it is cool. I, but your, your arm's like, dude, this isn't cool. This hurts me right now.
1: Baseball is my favorite sport. And still there's things that are really stupid about baseball. And one of them is that to be really awesome at one position, you have to destroy
0: your body. I know. What a crying shame. And then Shohei Otani, they're saying, needs Tommy John, but he doesn't know if he's going to have it or he's going to finish out the year before he has it. I'm, if I'm the Angels, I take that decision out of his hands, and I go, look, man, we're not making the playoffs. We're shutting you down right now. You've had a great rookie year. You're borderline rookie of the year. I mean, you can make the case that he could be rookie of the year in the American League, despite the fact that he spent some time in the DL and he stopped pitching and switched mostly to hitting these last few months. I mean, I'm looking at his numbers right now, Brido. They're nice. These are nice numbers. He's got one sixty-two uh, runs created plus. Uh, he also remember him. I'm sorry. Remember him in spring training? Yeah, he was terrible in spring training.
1: He's been a success story. He's a great success as a story as a two-way player. I buy him as a two-way player. I think that he's going to pave the way for whatever they decide. With let's say that Hunter Green decides he wants to play two ways. I mean, it's a viable option. So I think he was a success. I just think that, like, they should say to him, like, you know what? If you're going to treat him as a two-way player,
0: give him Tommy John. Because the thing is, they they heal so much quicker nowadays. That is not the scary surgery it once was. Now the recovery time is way faster. There's just more with advanced science and medicine to figure out how to get these guys back on the mound and healthier. And usually – what happens is it's the whole year after where that ligament is stronger than ever and they're almost better pitchers. So um I'm not I, if I'm again if I'm the Angels and I'm an Angels fan that's what I say. I, I I I go come on, you know. Um speaking of the Angels and again, Shohei tiny check out his numbers. They're great across the board. 19 home runs, 8 stolen bases. I didn't even see that. 10% walk rate, 28% K rate. They're great numbers. Uh 405 woba. I'm watching um You know, I watch these MLB highlight videos on my MLB at bat app. Like if I miss like, you know, some of the Cubs game, you know, or I heard the Schwarber home run on the radio on Wednesday night, he hit this bomb in Milwaukee on Wednesday night. And they were like, you know, Pat Hughes, the Cubs radio announcer. When a guy really crushes one, he'll say, get out the tape measure long gone, you know? So when he ever does that, bust out the tape measure line, I go, Ooh, I got to see this one. And, you know, I go to watch the highlight before I get an ad though. And the ad is an ad from today. It's not like an old commercial. Is starring one Albert Pujols. It's yes. Major League, it's a Major League Baseball ad. I'm pretty sure it's for MLB or for something MLB sponsors or a product that the MLB works with. And Oh, he shows up and the guy's like, oh my God, it's you. The problem I have with that is Major League Baseball is the one that says, hey, maybe we don't know how to, maybe Mike Trout needs to promote himself. You know what I mean? They, they really kind of were like, oh, Mike Trout, yeah, he's one of the greatest baseball players of all time, but hey, get, get yourself it's like, hey, assholes, how about stop putting old Albert Pujols, who sucks now and is a terrible player, in your ads and start putting Mike Trout in your ads how hard is that to do? I know I've seen Mike Trout in an ad here or there but that shit is on your end like look down the dugout. Yeah, for God's sakes I mean, how insane is that? I mean, I don't know, maybe is Mike Trout said no to the commercial but it's, it's doubtful is Mike Trout
1: like a Philly
0: scumbag
1: who has some questionable thoughts and opinions or something? No, not I that mean, I've
0: seen. I think you're just assuming that because he's from Philly. No, I, from every interview I've ever seen him in, he seems like a good dude. He seems cool with things. He seems actually pretty progressive in some of his approaches to. Um, I'm trying to figure out why they don't give a shit. I think he might just naturally be a little bit of a shy dude. And they're kind of – I think they might have said he that, said that to motivate
1: Wants to be on a late night show.
0: He's never even been asked. So that's that's not, uh, that's not Major League Baseball. There's someone in their PR department who needs to say to Jimmy Fallon, to Conan, to uh, Seth Meyers, all of, Bear, all of them, and say, hey, this guy is a freak of nature. He is putting up Mickey Mantle numbers beyond that even to a point. And look, and he's a good-looking guy. Let's get him on there. You guys can have some fun. Talk about this, that. Like, get on this train now. You know what I mean? He's still only 26 years old. And and I don't know if uh, Manfred, the baseball commissioner, said that shit about, you know, he's got to promote himself as a way to motivate him. But, like... The
1: team cannot be helping him. And I'm guess that, like, I remember watching The Daily Show when Jon Stewart would just have R.A. Dickey on or Matt Harvey for no fucking reason. He was a Mets fan. <laughs> Other than John Stewart is a Mets fan.
0: Yeah, I kinda of doubt Trevor Noah likes the Angels, which is a bummer. But you think, think
1: Trevor Noah Trevor Noah player likes some fucking soccer team. Yeah, why doesn't
0: why doesn't Jimmy Kimmel have him on? Jimmy Kimmel seems to be a big LA sports fan. He always has basketball players on. Maybe he just doesn't like baseball. He's a Mets fan, too. He's never, he's never even been asked. That's what that's what kills me, man. Kerry Wood after if he struck out twenty guys was asked by every talk show to be on it.
1: And he turned it down. Yeah, yeah, he was
0: 20. He wanted to focus on pitching and thought like I'm not ready for this. Which that's that I get. Mike Trout's a multiple MVP. He is, you know, he's Mike Trout. He's he's ready for this. I think it goes both ways. If, if I, it'd be one thing, here's where what Manfred said uh, offended me. Offended. It should should have offended everyone's intelligence. Is it'd be one thing if Major League Baseball was putting him everywhere. You know, they're putting him out there like, dude, he's the face on all of our video games. Every commercial is mostly him. We are we are doing our best to make this guy a household name. Now we want to see it on his end. We want to see him engage the fans on Twitter a little bit. Put some fun pictures of yourself on Instagram. Have a sense of humor. You know what I mean? Like, that's what we want to see. And if if, if he could help us, he can meet us even a little bit like a third of the way. Doesn't have to meet us in the middle then we believe we could blow him up and he could be right up there. He could be this decade's Ken Griffey Jr. as far as uh, transcending the sport and being a household name. But they're not doing that. You know what I mean? They're not. So No, and
1: Rob Manfred can't say shit about branding when the only time you ever really hear him talk is when he's talking about speeding up the game. Do you know what that does? That brands Major League Baseball as a slow sport. Like, so he doesn't get to say a goddamn thing about it because he's basically, his branding is baseball is slow and trout's not doing enough. And it's just like, Holy fuck. Get some stars, promote your stars. Shut the fuck. I up.
0: know. And they have stars. You just don't know what the hell they're doing. This reminds me, we got to wrap up the podcast on this. Now this reminds me of Mookie boots. Mookie boots should be the biggest name in the world.
1: If they had, if they had any brain in their head. Yes.
0: If you and I were running the ship, Mookie Boots would be rocking. He'd be in a Timberlands commercial tomorrow. He'd be selling boots. He'd be selling those uh, Wolverine boots, too, for the kind for the, for the of man get who your, works construction.
1: Get your Mookie Boots Uggs.
0: Yeah. I remember, I remember this thing where I think I've maybe brought this up on the podcast. Sometimes I get redundant. Where Arrested Development was this show that the critics raved about. And the few people who actually watched it raved about, but it only lasted like three seasons. They were not even full, one full season and two shortened seasons. And then now, obviously, Netflix has resurrected it almost eight years later after it was canceled or something. And I remember watching the special features because I had the DVDs. And one of them, it's David Cross, who's also you know stand up and Mr. Show. You guys know him if you saw him. He uh, was going on this rant saying we won this award, that award, all the Emmys, uh, Critics' Choice, this, Critics' Choice, that, top five shows of this, number one show to watch, number the long list of everything they've won. And he goes, and if you can't get people to watch that, I don't know, pick up a fucking marketing book. He starts like swearing. He goes, hey, Fox, do you not, sorry we're not a cartoon, because you know at the time Fox only had hits in The Simpsons and Family Guy. And it was hilarious. And it makes me think of that where I want to read off Mike Trout's stats being like uh, first or second in war every season of his career two-time MVP, uh rookie year, st- hit 30 home runs, stole 49 bases, uh, plays great center field, does, you know, blah 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 just list it. Oh, 450 on base percentage. Uh career number, you just go on and on and on. And then saying if you can't promote that, then you know get the fuck out of the promotion business or something, right? Yeah. I thought I had a bigger uh dismount there at the end, but I kind of trailed off and I ruined it.
1: You stuck the landing in the middle. The landing
0: I hit in the middle was very good, and then I just trailed off. Ugh, oh, whatever. It's a holiday, guys. But me, but
1: it's not a holiday. Think, it feels though. like a holiday, though. You made me think. That's
0: what I want to do. Is, That's the whole point.
1: <sighs> is Mike Trout exceeding at statistics that people don't fully understand?
0: That could be it, but he's also succeeding in traditional ones. He's hitting 30-plus home runs and all that other stuff. why not make those numbers sexy? I know a lot of people who solely got into advanced stats from the movie Moneyball. They never bought into it before. They thought sabermetric sounded stupid. They thought, wait a minute, you don't think clutch is real and you think the RBI is is an overrated stat and a pitcher's wins and losses don't matter. What? And then they saw Moneyball. They saw Jonah Hill and Brad Pitt on their screen and thought, oh, this is cool. All right. They made it sexy. They did. The whole concept of finding value where people weren't finding value before or, or knowing where runs come from. And that is not to say that if a guy has 100 RBIs, he's a bad player. Obviously, if you have over 100 RBIs, you're typically a very good player. But we're saying that that is from season to season, that that's a stat that relies on a team effort. So it's kind of one of those things where I'm like, well, yeah, you, you could have 150 RBIs one year. Because the guys in front of you all had 400 on base percentages. And then the next year, you have guys in front of you with a 280, 290 on base percentage. And you're going to have half as many RBI. Does that mean you were half the player you were the next season? No, of course not. It means you had less people on in front of you is what that means. Anyway, though, um, I feel like I have to emphasize that. Because every now and then I hear people go, who cares about RBIs? No, still care about them because they're your team scoring runs. But when you're listing off what makes a player great, that shouldn't even be anywhere near the top of your conversation, is what. Well. Do you know who
1: leads the National League in RBI? The last time I looked,
0: uh, is it one Almago Javier Baez? It
1: sure is. You're
0: Damn right, it is. All right. For- By the way,
1: uh, when JD Martinez wins the Triple Crown,
0: are you going to care? Uh, I'll I'll think it. No, not. I mean, it, I think we both know it's completely overrated and it doesn't mean anything, and it's. It's, it's just, those are the three stats that everyone loved a hundred years ago. So that's why they think it's such a You were just
1: play. saying, you were just saying that it does mean something.
0: No, I mean, it means something. It means you are the best at hitting home runs and you are the best at the number of your hits leading to the number of your plate appearances leading to a base hit. And it means you have a lot of guys who get on base in front of you. So yeah, I mean, everything means something, but it's not something where I'm going to go, Oh my God, stop the presses. This is an automatic MVP now. I'm not, it's not like, you know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm not going to say who gives a shit because you think it's casual only happened fan? 10 times. So, of course, it means something. But,
1: but do you think a casual fan's going to be like, wait, he won the Triple Crown and they gave the MVP to Mookie
0: Boots? Yeah, I bet they will. For sure. I think the average fan still probably thinks that way because the average fan is old in baseball. That's baseball's problem. And I don't know. I don't know. I go back and forth because they say the average baseball fan is the highest of any of the sports at 55. But I think that's a skewed number because that just means more guys in their 80s are watching baseball. That doesn't mean that people in their 20s aren't watching baseball, because if you're a fan base, if they're in basketball, the average fan is 38. That means the range could be from I don't know how young they're doing it. But let's say they're doing it from 15 to 50. Their average is going to be like late 30s there. But if baseball's range is from 15 to 90, then yeah, it's going to be at 57 is the age. So I don't know if that makes... Some people see that going baseball is going to be dead in 10 years because their fans look. Their fans are all 50s and 60s. They're so old that 10 years from around, when all their fans die, there's no new fans to replace those fans. I go, no, that, does, that doesn't fucking mean that at all. Do you not know what an average is? That's not saying... I go to baseball games. I see plenty of fucking kids having good times. I see plenty of 20-somethings having good times. I see plenty of 30-somethings having good times. Um, but it definitely means that the ba- older baseball fan is going to be more hesitant to change. You know what I mean? Right. That's all that means. So yes, I think when the triple crown happens, your average baseball fan will still be like, that's amazing. And then when Mookie boots wins the MVP, they're going to be like, what the fuck does the guy got to do to win MVP? Can you believe this? Huh? <laughs> um, I mean, stats has got to lead the league in. And then and they're yeah, going to be like, well, like higher <laughs> slugging percentage, higher on base percentage, you know, a uh, better defender, better baseball. <laughs> going to be like, ah, you know what I mean? That's what they're going to say. <laughs> All right. On that note, let's end the podcast. You guys could uh, follow the podcast at uh, CTB Podcast 9. That it doesn't roll off the tongue real well. Just follow myself at Joe Kilgallen. Follow Brido at Brido. From there, you'll see us retweet and mention the podcast. And then you can follow the Twitter page as well because from that page, I like to retweet other baseball stuff that I find cool or, or I'll you know, tweet out podcast links or some of the stuff we talk about on the podcast. I'll tweet that out as well from that page. So there is still value I, in following the uh, Comedians Talking Baseball Twitter account. And the I, do wanna know, I, know, I
1: do want to know, and I know that this is a weird point in the podcast to ask a question. Yeah, because I'm trying to I, end it,
0: dude. <laughs>
1: I, turn podcasts, I turn podcasts off when, when people wrap it up.
0: But I, I do want to know if A's fans are sick of hearing about Moneyball. A great question. You know what? I will tweet out that question and I will Instagram that question because our Instagram is great and we're getting more feedback on Instagram than we have been on Twitter lately. I think Instagram's where it's at. It all shifts though. You know, a couple of years ago, everyone's like Twitter, Twitter, Twitter. Now I think it's Instagram, Instagram, Instagram. So we'll see you there, you know, follow all of us, follow us there. I mean, me and Brad will post great stuff. Brad has got that great video series on YouTube subscribe to him there. We thank we can't thank you enough for doing this uh, for listening to us because we really enjoy this. And, um, and tell your friends, you know, I mean, we're, we we got to we got to I like our listener base, but uh, we we want more. Damn it. We want more. and We'll give you more. And everyone will be happy with that. Uh, for Mike Brianstein, I'm Joe Kilgallen. Uh, thank you for listening to Comedians Talking Baseball.